Welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. This is a podcast that explores stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Today we're at episode number 111, and I'm calling it Noble Purpose. Today I'm going to be joined by author Lisa Earl McLeod, who has written two books in the last few years on Noble Purpose. Much of her early career was spent in the sales department of a large firm, but in 2001, Lisa started her own company, McLeod and More. In this episode, we discuss the key ideas around the Noble Purpose philosophy and how it can help your organization. And I'm now joined by Lisa Earl McLeod from the Atlanta area. Good morning, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Good morning. Great. Well, you've written a couple of books, um, and we're going to talk about those this morning. It's a great uh, pleasure to have you with us. One of them is called Leading with Noble Purpose and then Selling with Noble Purpose, which is actually coming out in the second edition with uh, John Wiley and Sons. Congratulations on that. Thanks. So what drew you to this focus on Noble Purpose? Well, you know, it's interesting as you say the title of the books, Leading with Noble Purpose, people think, well, I can do that. But when you say selling with noble purpose, people think, well, you can't do that. And and I guess that's that quagmire is what drew me to this topic because people often equate this idea of having a noble purpose with the social workers, the surgeons, the nurses, the teachers, and all those people definitely do have noble purpose. What I came to realize though, and the research bears out, is that many everyday businesses have a noble purpose because they're providing something of value to their communities, be they small communities or a global community. And the more clarity you have about how you make a difference to others, the more exciting your job will be and the more successful your company will be. And so I was really drawn to a way to help people find more meaning in their work and help their work be more successful at the same time. Yeah, I think you started off in sales and uh, I was reading in the book uh, one of your uh, stories there about an early conversation with one of your um, managers, I guess. Tell us a little bit about the backstory of, uh, of how you got started. So my background is in sales, as you said, and it's, uh, I was uh, with Procter & Gamble for a number of years, you know, pretty hardcore sales, was with a sales consulting firm after that. And the thing that always fascinated me was the way that the mindset and the beliefs of salespeople so dramatically affected their performance and in turn, dramatically affected the fortunes or falling of their company. And I had my own personal experience with this when I was working for this sales consulting firm where I had a boss who was a great guy. And I tell the story in the book, his name is Durwood. You can't make up a name like that. And he would talk to me about how our consulting was improving the lives of our customers and how we made a difference. And I just remember as a young 20 something being so excited about what we were doing. And then a couple of years later, he left the company and the new CEO was a decent guy, but he never talked about how we made a difference to customers. All he talked about was how we were hitting our own numbers. And I didn't realize at the time that I was 
exhibit A in my own social science experiment of how to drive or not drive sales performance. So, you know, if you're cynical, I guess you could say, well, noble purpose and sales, it's sort of a mind game. But it's really, I think, about stepping in this other world. It's the world of the customer and how do you serve the customer? As you say in the book, words create worlds. Uh, so it's, it's stepping outside your internal world to that external world and living in the shoes of the customer in a way. It is. And a, and a lot of companies have tried to do this over the years. And I had said, I'm not going to write a book about sales until I have something different to say. Because a lot of companies have tried to be more customer focused or customer oriented. And what I came to see and did several research projects around this, and there have been several university studies now since then, is that you have to go beyond just saying we're going to try and serve our customers. And so what Selling with Noble Purpose is about, it's not just about serving the customers, it's about actually improving the customers. And what the research tells us is that the default of most sales organizations, the default purpose is hit the number, hit the number. But what the research tells us is that if you can name and claim a purpose bigger than money and clearly identify how you make a difference to customers and you make that your North Star, you get better competitive differentiation, you get more emotional engagement from your sales team and your customers, and you ultimately outperform the market by about 350%. So part of it is about, I guess, the discussion around the purpose of business. Um, and, you know, Milton Friedman, I think, which you refer to now and then, in his famous um, article, I think in 1970, about uh, the purpose of, of business, said, you know, it's, it's really about making as much profit as possible. Tell us a little bit about your perspective on that. So I'm old, but not so old that I knew Milton Friedman personally, but I'm going to tell you, he was wrong. He was absolutely wrong. And the context of his comments came at a time when we weren't as dialed into this quarterly capitalism. We didn't have executive bonuses as tied to the stock price as we do now. So in the context of his remarks, I don't think he knew how this was going to play out. But we can directly trace this, what we call shareholder primacy, which was Milton Freeman saying the purpose of a business is profit. We can directly trace that, not just to the corporate scandals, but to something that's actually more widespread and actually has a more chilling effect on people. What it can be traced to is lack of employee engagement. Because employees, you, you cannot spreadsheet your way to passion. And what we know in the most differentiated companies is they are on fire for making a difference to customers. And you quoted something in the book, it's the words create worlds. If all of your words inside the company are, how can we make more money? How can we make more money? How can we make more money? You haven't created anything differentiated to take to the market. You look at the best companies and yeah, they make money, but what they're talking about inside their companies is how can we do something exciting for our customers? How can we improve life for customers? If you look at their language, it's about that. And that's why they make the money. The profit follows the purpose, not the other way around. Yeah. I fully agree with you uh, on uh, Milton Friedman being wrong, but I think what he said at the time um, 
was favored by uh, many in, in corporate governance, you know, and it gave them a reason to be compensated well. And also nowadays, even in, in the larger culture, we hold up people running Amazon or Facebook or, or the, the largest corporations and, and say, well, they're the models we want to follow. And yet um, the, there's, there's some problems with all of that, I think. There are. And it's also starting to change because one of the things that we've identified, if you want to recruit top talent, they have a choice. Even in today's environment, in this current economy, they have a choice. And we know that people who are purpose-driven, and it doesn't have to be, again, curing cancer. If that's your company, go on you. But people who want to make a difference, who are hardwired to want to make a difference to others, they are actually the top performers. And so what's happening now is when you look at some companies that may have started in a well-intended way, but where shareholder primacy has become their sole driving force, they're going to have a hard time recruiting the kind of people who are going to innovate for the customers. You yeah, especially can't innovate I think, for customers when you sit around saying, how can we make more money? How can we make more money? You got to be thinking, how can we make a difference to customers? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Profit as a motivator is, is not very um, uh, effective, really. It has to be something at a higher level, um, something That's right. that, that gives value to the customer and, and changes their world in a way. Well, and you have to have, so most of the work that we do is with sales teams. And so you have to have a sales organization that's what we call the true believers, TBs for short. And the TBs are people who are on fire for making a difference to customers. And if you want to create that team, our research showed that the top performers have this noble purpose anyway, that their primary aim is to improve life for customers. But you can't have a whole sales team that just has a couple of top performers or you won't be sustainable. And so what we do is we work with the entire sales team, specifically capturing that middle group of people who are very influenced by the leadership narrative. And if the leadership narrative is close the deal, close the deal, close the deal, that middle group of people become very transactional sellers. But if the leadership narrative is make a difference, improve life for customers, those salespeople become uh, very differentiated. And the data tells us that even in the short term, they win bigger deals and they win stickier, higher margin deals because everything about them is oriented towards improving life for the customer and the customers can feel it. Yeah. So sales in most organizations is a department uh, in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. And you have, of course, the top sales manager there who's driving much of that conversation. But talk to us a little bit about the overall corporate narrative and how that influences um, the sales narrative. Because if, if you know, at the top, at the the board level, uh, if profit and uh, shareholder value is still driving the narrative there, how can the sales team itself uh, get out of that box? So the sales team actually can. It's harder. But I, but I also want to make a point here is a lot of people like to create a false dichotomy. And there's a very famous F. Scott Fitzgerald quote 
Uh, it's a sign of a keen intelligence when you can hold two seemingly competing ideas in your mind at the same time and still function. And so what I want to be really clear on here is the idea of having a noble purpose is not in conflict with profit. The more effectively you execute on your noble purpose, you will produce more profit if you have a reasonable business model in place. And so if you are the CEO who is getting a lot of pressure from your board, especially if you're a publicly traded company, what you have to understand is you need to be a filter not a funnel with your team. Then the board's pressuring you on quarterly earnings. You don't need to just drop that down on the head of your salespeople because that's not gonna create the best sales behavior. Instead, what you need to do is translate that. And that's where I say be a filter. The filter says, okay, we've gotta hit these quarterly targets. What are the things I need my salespeople to do? I need them to close more deals. Okay, in order to close more deals, what do they need to do? They need to understand the customer's most compelling issues. They need to think about uh, what's the value story for our customers. They need to identify uh, how can they be innovative on behalf of customers. And that's, that second, second set of things I said, innovating on behalf of customers, thinking about the value story, finding out what the customer's most biggest challenges are. Those are the behaviors, if you're a sales leader, that you coach to. Because coaching to the numbers is like shouting at a runner, get faster, get faster, get faster. At a certain point, they can't. You got to look at their conditioning, their start, their stride. That's the job of leadership is to look at those things that actually drive the performance. Yeah. I mean, profit is certainly a lagging indicator anyway. Um, and it's, it's more of a manufactured number. If I want to have a profit, I can have one. But if I don't want to have a profit, I can, I can fix it where it's, it doesn't look that way. Right. Uh, so, yeah, this whole thing, um, driving the narrative, I think, is, is, is the key here. And purpose is certainly one way to go. Does this fly in the face of capitalism in, in some people's mind? Uh, if you're a limited thinker, yes. If you understand what capitalism really is, no. Because capitalism is, the, the root of capitalism is we reward people who create more value for customers. The more value you create for customers, the more rewards you get. And you said something that, I, that is a truism that is in the book, Selling with Noble Purpose, that I want to draw people's attention to where you said profit is a lagging indicator. And it's so crucial for people to understand that. And there's a, a graphic in the book where we take you through it. And it's the words and beliefs of the team and the leadership drive the behaviors. The behaviors drive the level of engagement you have with customers, which drives the sales, which drives the revenue, which drives the profit. And what's 100% within the leader's control is the words and beliefs. So if your team believes our only job is just to close deals, they're not going to be differentiated. But if you can have a clear understanding with your team about the impact you have on customers, that jump starts the entire noble purpose process. And that's how you become differentiated in your space. Yeah. Well, you know, the CEO roundtable recently said that profit is no longer the sole purpose of business. Do you see that as a game changer going forward as we, you know, look five years out? I think it is. I think it, it was validation of what many good leaders already knew in their hearts to be true, which was managing the business to the numbers 
is not working. And for the CEO roundtable to say that, it gave all the people who aren't members of the CEO roundtable permission to go back to their boards or the, themselves or their family or whoever's, you know, the, the decision makers in their firm and say, look, we have proof leading to the numbers doesn't work. We have one CEO, and I love the way he put this. Um, guys uh, named Doug Williams. He's the CEO of Atlantic Capital Bank. And when we first started working with them, they were they were a very good bank. But over the course of 18 months, they embraced this idea of noble purpose, and their purpose was we fuel prosperity. And over the course of 18 months, they increased their um, earnings by 40% and became voted the best place to work. And the CEO is on the cover of American Banker. And he said something profound in one of our sessions. He said, I've realized as a CEO, I need to manage the business to the numbers, but I need to lead to the noble purpose. Yeah, that that uh, causal chain, as you outlined it earlier, uh, you know, purpose drives the eventually the the profit, which is the lagging indicator. So it's it's about leading with the purpose, and and everything else will follow, as you say. So as our listeners uh, are thinking about perhaps buying your book, as they dive into it, what what will they get out of it? So we did selling with noble purpose and it is available now on amazon we wanted to do a couple of things one we wanted to provide something that was really practical that you could do right away so there's a methodology in there to name and claim your own noble purpose whether you're a ceo of a publicly traded company or you're a solo entrepreneur or you're a salesperson working for somebody else got a three-step model in there, you can find it and you can create your own noble purpose. The other thing that we wanted to do was knowing how people's attention spans have changed. I know that I'm not the only person that has trouble focusing. So we wrote the book in this short series of snippets so that you could just read one, do the thing, put it down, don't do anything else or read one at the end, do that thing, come back to the beginning. So we wrote it in such a way that it was super easy. And we also included a lot of really good stories so that it would keep you entertained. But the last thing that's really important is we put this to bed about a month into the COVID crisis. And we did some research on what happens to people when they're in isolation and things like that. And we knew that people need a shot in the arm. And one of the main things that we wanted to do with the book was give people a greater sense of meaning and purpose about their own life and some things that they could do to experience more joy in their job. Yeah. Well, we're not going to be able to cover all your books, certainly today. Uh, <laughs> but what do, we, what do you want to leave us with as, as we close out here? I think the main thing I want to leave people with is you don't have to choose between making money and making a difference. If you or your organization are producing something that customers are buying, it has value. And the more you can lean in to the personal element of how you make a difference to people, how you do it to your customers, how you do it to your colleagues, and the impact that you have, the more you can bring that front and center, the data tells us that you will improve your performance. The data also tells us something that we know in our hearts to be true, which you will experience more joy and happiness at work. When you focus on how you make a difference, your work takes on new meaning, 
And when your work takes on new meaning, your whole life takes on new meaning. Yeah, I think that's a very positive message. Well, thanks for being with us today, Lisa. It's been great having you. It was such a pleasure. And I appreciate you reading the book. <laughs> I could tell from your questions. I always try. <laughs> I, it's much appreciated. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks. And that's it for this episode. Join us again next time when we'll again explore stories about organizations and their performance. In the meantime, you can explore all of our podcasts at our website, ageofoe.com. And that's all for now. So long.